It's almost Thanksgiving. You gonna eat a lot? I can't taste food at the moment, but I still plan on eating food. Still sick. This is my favorite Going holiday. Going on two weeks, thinking we're milking it. Uh, does it sound like it? Sound like I'm in a tunnel. I can sound that way too. Thanks for being here though for the pod. Yeah. You're underpaid. Yeah. Doing me a favor. You're a good friend. Thank you. So, it's Thanksgiving week, it's tech week, is it hate week? Yeah, good old fashioned hate. You got some hate in your heart? I do, yeah. But, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, Would I rather those folks in Blacksburg not be around? I wouldn't. No, I mean like... It's a healthy hate. It's a healthy hate. It's not... uh, And by the way, welcome to Greenlight. Thank you. Episode nine. I'm not welcoming you. I'm welcoming the people. I mean, I know you did take a day off last week, and to your credit, you've been battling an illness for a long going time. on a month. Yeah, I don't want to hip of myself, but uh, I've completed the antibiotic. I'm not contagious, but the stuff in my head is hanging around, as y'all can hear. I wouldn't have you in if you were contagious. So thanks for keeping on, keeping on, and, and trucking, trucking through this thing. Uh, it's not just Virginia Tech week for for y'all listening out there. Making and myself grew up in Charlottesville, spent time at UVA. Um, I mean, I guess you could classify it at that. We we studied. We did spend time there. Some of us graduated from the school. No need to out yourself right here on the air. Weird to sell real estate and uh, and not have a degree, huh? I do have a degree. Con. Oh, good for you. Yeah, so that's the game we play where I try to get him to correct me and vice versa. So uh, scores a lot to little. Yeah, one nothing today. One nothing today. Uh, Macon has a degree. I do not have mine yet. I had to leave early to get ready for the draft back in the day. It worked out for you. Last semester. It worked out. College is about getting ready for life and occupation. Yeah. I, I intend on finishing. Yeah. Um, always awkward to think about being in a classroom with people 15 years younger than me. UVA doesn't do the online course thing as much. You got to earn it. Fantasy update real quick. I mean, amid all this crazy stuff going on, we still are battling it out in our fantasy football league here. Um, so I don't know if we're doxing folks or not. It's really a three horse race for dyed tips. By the way, for those of you who haven't listened so far, Died tips is the penalty, like Guy Fieri died tips, is the penalty for the last place team in our fantasy football league. And is a PPL league? You're trying to con me, and that's a poor attempt. It is indeed a PPR league. Team Conrath is in the driver's seat to get frosted tips, um, but he's tied with Virginia Cakes. And Who's Virginia Cakes? Virginia Cakes is Backy. Uh, our good friend Kevin Backy, friend of the program, Matt Conrath, uh, former NFL player, former UVA standout, teammate of mine at two levels with the Rams and with the Cavaliers. 
He is a six foot seven um, medical device tech. I mean, right? So is it like he helps implement some of the technologies in ORs, right? right. Very good at it. He's very good at it. Uh, but I'm trying to imagine how these dyed tips are gonna look on a six foot seven south side bro. Yeah. Him and back here are both south side guys, so maybe guys in the south side can't play fantasy <laughs> they, football. They uh, might not want to go home for a while. No, they definitely this. can't go back on the block Yeah, uh, with the dyed tips. I think that who's going to have it harder? Backy, who works, runs bars, right? He's yeah. in the business of running bars that range from college bars to adult bars. Or Matt in an OR with dyed tips. The flip side, I, I would say OR, the flip side of dyed tips is people understand that you're honorable. Yeah. You have integrity. Honor your bets. You know, you don't want somebody weaseling out of a, a bet. And it's a conversation starter. They're both in the people business. Yeah. And that's going to start. But is a, that one of those things? I don't think it's going to start a conversation. I think in 2019, if somebody has dyed tips, you don't talk about it. It's not something you talk about unless you have a friend and you want them to pump the brakes on whatever this new phase, this existential crisis. I mean, most people in the OR are not gonna be like, scalpel, what the fuck's up with your hair? Maybe that's right. That's funny, that's and, funny stuff. You know, Backy, he's gonna be at a college bar. He's, is he 40 yet? Yes. My man looks great for 40. Yeah. So shout out to Backy. Yeah. Aging gracefully, but being in a college bar, running that bar, with the tied tips. I guess you could throw a hat on. That's something Matt can't do. So who's the third team in the race for dyed tips? Big Rodney. Oh, so it's not me. No. Amazingly, this is one of the bigger storylines of the fantasy season. You who couldn't care less about your your lineup. We've gotten to six and six somehow. This is the final week of our regular season. And Oh, you, it ends this week? Yeah. So I'm not gonna have dyed tips. You cannot make the playoffs and you cannot have dyed tips. So who do I play this week? Me. Do I help you or do I hurt you? You could knock me out of the playoffs. And I think you will, actually. I think you will. You're Ooh. playing great. Your team's playing great. Jameis Especially has a good Especially my matchup. bench. Yeah. <laughs> I left 100 points on the bench. Uh, on the other side of things, gambling, though, has been going well. Uh, yeah, really well. It's, it's amazing the way things just... It's almost like there's a pattern here. It goes really bad, then it goes really good. I know it'll go really bad again. Shout out to uh, Fitzpatrick this weekend for backdoor covering half of a teaser for me on his birthday in improbable, fa in improbable fashion. If it were legal, I would buy him a nice thing with the money he won me mm. as a gift. I'll wait till he retires. That's not legal? I don't think it is. It's probably like some... Not an amateur. Yeah, but if I'm b rewarding him for winning me a bet with the money I won the bet, I think that's legal. I oh, mean, I'm gonna send him some beard oil. Yeah, do it. He's a good dude, by the way. Uh, also this weekend, there was Gronk. Yeah. Took the nation by storm, sitting next to my dad. Now, your dad, when he rolls into work on Sunday mornings, does he look at a rack of clothes and like maybe he could pick the black mock turtleneck with the black <laughs> blazer and he instead goes for the, the three-piece deal? I don't think the mock neck is in my dad's arsenal anymore. He's a big fan of the bold plaids. Yeah. And the sneakers. Yeah. Got, he, listen, every year, huge box of Skechers for myself, Waylon, etc. Uh, Waylon has light up sketchers, which are still very cool. 
And good for your back. Good for your back. Good arch support. Um, Sketchers wide fit. I don't, wide. I don't think the mock turtle should be in Gronk's arsenal either. I would like to delete it from Gronk's arsenal, but I think this is what it's all about. It's about trial and error with, with my guy. Yeah. I saw somebody with that famous you know, still shot that was going around the internet, uh, and they were memeing it, right? The best one I saw was that he is opening the world's first CrossFit funeral home. <laughs> like, where do people get this? Yeah. Uh, I saw a number of good memes. Gronk is, he's entertainment. Hey, he it's all about been. clicks these days, unfortunately, and the black mock turtle with the blazer will do that for you. He needs a, a cross earring with that look. Yeah. You watch Righteous Gemstones on HBO? I'm saving it for a binge. Huge okay. Danny McBride fan, but VA. I haven't had the energy or the time to give it its due attention. Yeah. So how is it so far? Uh, it's good. It's mostly good. Okay. It's mostly very good. There's okay. a character in there named Keef. Gronk's got a little bit of a Keef vibe. With the, with the F? Keef. No shit. Yeah. Okay, I look forward to seeing Gronk on uh, Righteous Gemstones. Also this weekend, Cleveland and the Jets, both three-game uh, win streaks, I think. Am I correct? I know Cleveland and, yeah, the Jets. You're I heard right. somewhere that's the first time since the 80s that has happened simultaneously. Wow. Also the first time since the 80s that I have been able to enjoy Thanksgiving on the actual day. I hadn't thought about with that. With my entire family. So that's interesting, the, the confluence of factors and events, my being tired of football and retiring, Kyle being on IR, my brother Howie having the flexibility, he works for the Raiders in Vegas, to fly back east. Uh, they're both bringing their lovely girlfriends. Um, it's going to be a lovely day at the Long Household. But I, I also, the planning and the coordination can be overwhelming. And I, I see why some regular people get very overwhelmed with the holidays. And I haven't even gotten to Christmas yet. Us regular people? People that don't have to move Thanksgiving routinely their entire life. When I was a kid, we would do Christmas two days late, two days early. Thanksgiving two days late, two days early. You know, so much so that my mom, who's trying to please everybody this year, um, you know, because there are so many factors involved, it was almost like it was out of habit we were shuffling which day we were going to do Thanksgiving. I'm like, nah, we just do the real Thanksgiving. Like yeah. on, on the Thursday. Yeah. Um, work around that because we got tech on Friday, which That's we'll right. get to. Unfortunately. Um, Not the game. Let's just let's get that to Saturday here moving forward. That would be nice. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean Thanksgiving for me, it's kind of surreal. It 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 uh it it dovetails nicely with the realization that I actually like the fall. Uh I never liked the fall. Leaves turn red, it would give me anxiety. Yeah. What a bad take. Fall colors, but also you're not getting like loaded up with tortall on a Sunday and struggling through the week and under immense pressure for 15 years uh, every fall. So for me, the colors and the, you know, the entire thing, I never got it. I was like, what, what's wrong with people? But this fall, I got to say, fall has arrived for your boy. Yeah, welcome. Power ranking seasons, one fall, two spring, three winter, four summer. Winter's better than summer. Yeah. You don't like sweating? No. We'll get to, we're going to do that on another show because I'd like to power rank the months. I did it last year, and there were a lot of people that took issue with my 
November being way down, October being in the middle of the pack. October is a big riser for me as a retired individual. Well, let's just talk holidays. Thanksgiving is one for me. It is? Yeah. Wow. TBD for me. I mean, like, I have been as, I don't know if it's, I don't know if the word is that I'm a contrarian, but I also, I'm also not going to put the traditional holidays as high as some. I actually like Columbus Day, St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Nice con attempt. Um, Wasn't. I like, I used to love New Year's Eve. It used to be my favorite. Ugh, everybody hates New Year's Eve. I used to love it. It's a new year, a new me. Then I realized after 34 years, I just don't change. Right. Um, now I enjoy it because I can watch everybody's shitty resolutions that they'll never actually address in their lives. So uh, Thanksgiving, excited about that. Thanksgiving foods, you got a favorite? Couple faves? I can tell you, I have yet to be in charge of a Thanksgiving menu yeah. in my 33 years. Very fortunate to have family still in town as well. Um, if I were making the menu, it's pretty simple for me. Turkey, stuffing, green beans, Brussels sprouts, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, and then your pumpkin pie. So one has to go mac and cheese or mashed potatoes? No, see, no, you need some options for people. Okay, well, mashed potatoes is gonna go for me, I know that's- Well, for, is gonna go? Yeah, out of mac and cheese and mashed potatoes. You're going mac and cheese. I'm gonna keep mac and cheese. I like it, I like it. Mashed potatoes is gonna go. Turkey, if you can do it, I like the dark meat and I'd like it fried if you can do it. I also um, am a big fan of ignoring the shit out of the cranberry items. Agreed. Just Agreed. fucking throw them out the window. Yep. What it was cr- canned or whatever. Casserole took me a long time. A lot like mustard. Was afraid of it for near nearly thirty years in my life. Yeah, I'm into it now. Really like greens. Black Cas- casserole black in, g- in general. Any casserole. Okay. Just too messy. I don't know what's in there. It looks like there might be mayonnaise. Yeah. Is there mayonnaise? Sometimes. Okay, well, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to get with my people and make sure there's no mayonnaise. You're going to say black eyed peas. I do like black eyed peas a Me lot. Me too. Yeah. And, uh, and I know we're forgetting some stuff, but I, I'm going to go apple pie as my dessert. Okay. Over all the other traditional shit. May I tell on myself? Yeah. And tell you that I don't know what a yam is. A yam is a sweet potato, essentially, right? Cowboy Reed. And why, would yeah. you, why wouldn't you say just sweet potato? I don't know. I usually say sweet potatoes. I'm not a sweet potato person. Yeah. And I don't know what a yam is. Uh, I know they can be candied. Yeah, they can be candied. Um, and candied is nice, but in general, candied yams are going to be one of the biggest perpetrators of the itis. You just can't move after the meal. Um, another thing is like during Thanksgiving with so many people around, I feel like I'm in a constant struggle to just escape. And that's holidays in general. Like if there's a nice room that I can quietly go in and act like I'm doing something else for a while, just lay there, maybe look at my phone. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. But you haven't had these Thanksgivings, Christmases. I have not yet. The entire clan. I have not yet. I am just applying my logic for social situations in general to Thanksgiving, Christmas. So we'll see. Turkey Bowl though. The football games, I did them when I was a kid. Did you do them? Yes. Did you ever get injured? I don't think so. Surprising. Um, 
I was probably sick. <laughs> you were probably on the on the on the fifteen day yeah. DL with a common cold. Um, do people get injured in turkey bowl games? I think so, but it's your it's your minor contusion. I don't think there are many broken. Man, I gotta say, if you blow your knee out in a turkey bowl, that's gonna be a rough six to eight months. Yeah. Woo. What position would you play? Me, receiver. Yeah. Or quarterback. No, 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 no. I've seen you throw a ball. You, yeah, receiver. I'm pretty good. I make good decisions. I'm more of a game manager. You really do. You look like a person. Uh, how do I put this? Who has never thrown a ball before? Gotcha. When you throw a ball. So the next segment is. <laughs> um, Jeff Fisher used to do a cool thing. He used to send all the rookies out. And we truly love this. It's not going to sound as funny as it is because that's how stories go. But he'd send all the rookies out to get turkeys on Thanksgiving. Go to Wegmans or whatever in St. Louis. I don't think they had, did they have Wegmans? I don't know. We'd set up a camera and the rookies were supposed to come back, say what they're thankful for, really serious stuff, what the turkey's about, etc. Well, it turns out that they had to basically open it in front of the team and reveal the turkeys they got for our big post-Thanksgiving practice meal, which is basically a bunch of turkey in a training room next to the cuticle scissors mm. and people getting their ankles taped. Yeah. Like, pretty disgusting. But the turkey was always good, so shout out to the trainers uh, for the Rams who used to do it. Yeah, marinated in Tordal, um, ibuprofen, right next to the Parabath wax that you dip your hand into, it makes you feel better. So all these particles are all over the turkey. It was still good, but moral of the story is, they weren't turkeys that these guys went to get. They went and got big blocks of ice, and they had no idea. So you can imagine the embarrassment when these cats on camera revealed that they went and got some ice. What's the problem? You didn't check it. You didn't ask, etc. cetera. Um, anyways, Todd Gurley called me this week. They're still doing it. So Jeff Fisher, some of his draft picks still there. Uh, certainly somebody who continues to influence my life. You know, uh, funny stories, pranks, etc. He was the best with that. And the LA Rams are now still doing Jeff Fisher pranks, and I love it. Um, I want to talk unis this week. We've got rivalry weekend. Yeah. And you love unis. I love unis. One key thing with unis, though, is it takes two to be watchable for me. Like, there's some games I can't watch, some I can't. I mentioned a red team with an off-red team, like a Arkansas, Texas A&M, can't do it, especially indoors. Um, so I want to rank the uniform combos that we'll be seeing this weekend and rivalry weekend. I'll go first, okay? Okay. We're gonna go, and I know you have your list prep, but we'll go, we'll go five to one, and then we'll throw in a combo you can't do. I just can't watch it, and a combo that is a sleeper that okay. just missed the cut. Okay. So my number five here. You want me to call first? Yeah. <coughs> All right. You got something on the mic. That's one. No, I didn't. Con. Golly. All um, right, go. Okay, so this is the Civil War. For those of you watching out there that can't, this is Oregon, Oregon State. And I threw up the, I mean, what I love about it is, you know, they look, it looked great in the 90s. It looks great now. Orange and black is as good a co- color combo as any. And then green, that just pops. And you play that game, it's usually rainy, overcast, or at night. And I love. I just. I love the combos here, even even the new school ones. You want commentary here? Yeah. On yours, what these two clubs have going for them is their proximity to 
Nike. And um, Nike typically, although I'm more of an older school cat, does right by these two teams. Yeah. <clears throat> but that can also go badly. It can go overboard. It's rangy. High ceiling, low, low floor. floor. Uh, four, I have Stanford, Notre Dame. Kind of the, uh, the opposite here. Right. These are two very traditional programs. I prefer Notre Dame in white jerseys in general. I think it really pops. The helmets are beautiful at night. Uh, and Stanford in the red tops with the white helmets. It's just very classic. And you'll get that this week. They're playing on the farm. Beautiful. And and that's not quite USC Stanford. That that would be, but we're talking about games this week. USC, I mean USC, USC Notre, Dame. Notre Dame. USC Notre Dame is beautiful. It's up there, period, as far as combinations are. Uh, and we can do that another day. But three this weekend is Iowa-Nebraska for me. And this is exactly how I like it. White top Iowa in Nebraska, although Nebraska, the you know the leg thing, what are you calling that stripe? Yeah, I'm calling that a stripe. Pal. It's a, it's it's an Indiana looking stripe. Yeah, it's a little bit Hoosiers basketball looking, but the classic helmets, the piping, right? Yeah, that's what we call the shoulder stuff. Or do you call it? No, that's not piping. Those are shoulder stripes. So that's what I like. That's my bronze medalist this weekend. Num- number two, I think, is one that we both share. This is one of the most underrated, and it was almost number one. I think that number one is getting a little bit of a, you know, a, a bias because it's so renowned, but we'll get to that in a second. Number two for me is NC State, UNC. At night, can't beat it. Throw any color combination out there. I hate to say that about UNC, but they're not a threat. Beautiful, beautiful uniforms. And NC State, I mean, the pairing, the blue and the red, Carolina blue. That true red. And an under, underrated rivalry in terms of hatred. Yeah, they really don't like each other, do they? They really don't. And I was raised to not like the University of North Carolina and everything that comes with it, including those colors. And I've come around. I'm with you. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's simple red and blue uh, at night. It's gorgeous. And here's a game that would look beautiful any time of day and is iconic. And I know it's a little chalky, but... Here it is at one, Michigan, Ohio State. Uh, I prefer it, I believe, in Columbus. Wrong, but. We'll get to that. I mean, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan's uniforms are beautiful. I mean, they, they really are, especially the all-whites for me. And uh, in Ohio State, I don't think they have a combination I don't like. Even their alternates I like. They don't do a lot I don't like. Uh, this is an iconic game and an easy one to watch. I wish it were played on grass. That's my big gripe. Here's one I can't do. Good helmet matchup there. Good helmet matchup. Two classics. This bullshit right here. This is a picture of (laughs) Oklahoma in all white playing in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. Bedlam, as they call it. And Oklahoma State is wearing... This is how you fuck orange and black up. I mean, I I don't know how you do it, but they do it. And the Big 12, I think, is in general... And we, which, which uniform by conference are the worst? I think the Big 12 has a lot of piss poor uniforms that are leaving a lot on the table. I also think this, this, this stadium that I don't know the name of. Probably T. Boone Pickens. Boone Pickens, right. It's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they shot the program there. Yeah. I mean, like the brick field house in the, in the end zone doesn't even look like it's shoddy brickwork. It's not even nice brick. 
It looks like, uh, you know, does the Big 12 have the worst stadiums in college football? Maybe Baylor. Yeah. Baylor's disgusting. Yeah. They've got like native grasses growing right outside a chain link fence. That's like the end zone. Yeah. They have like uh, Kansas City Royals baseball stadium concourse bullshit going on. It's it's gross. Speaking of alternates, that OU alternate I really do like when they bring in the cream. The cream. Yeah. Um, but what we have just shown, listeners, please go to Chalk Media U- YouTube channel. I yeah. nearly got that out clean. Yeah, you almost got it out clean. To see that Oklahoma State OU. I'm not with you on orange and black. You don't like orange and black. And at least Oklahoma State there was symmetrical. And by that, I mean black lid, orange shirt, Disgusting uniforms. Um, They make me nauseated. There you go. Uh, Wild card, I'm going to go Louisville. And that's how you say it. Louisville, good. Yeah, and Kentucky. Uh, And this is, of course, for those of you listening, this is a picture of Lamar Jackson making... Everything looks super cool. But cool those cat. those shiny helmets and oh. a lot of the stuff that Kentucky has to work with from an element standpoint. I'm I actually I actually dig the the combination. I think it's underrated. Yeah. I think that's an awful take. You do? Okay. Kentucky with the checkerboard, that shiny helmet. They can get it right. Oh gosh. In Louisville, Adidas it's like they they try out a lot of stuff on Louisville that does not work. I agree with that, but that picture there that I put up, and again, you can check out our YouTube page, is the one I like. How about your list? Okay. Um, My number five was the storied rivalry, Mm. West Virginia and Texas Christian. Yeah. Two Nike clubs. Again, if you're symmetrical same color lid as your pant i'm gonna i'm gonna like it and uh what is new in the last decade or so are what i would call proprietary number fonts where these schools really have their own number font and and these look fly you like you like west virginia's font and tcu and TCU can get fun with their helmets and put the red stripe, which is supposed to be blood coming out of there. Horn frogs can shoot blood or some crazy <laughs> nonsense. Oh, look it up. That's a good, I, I don't think that, is that a rivalry? They just do this. What That's they, like yeah. their thing, bro. What it's have like they played? It's like a little creepy hand. Six times? It's just a creepy hand. My number four is one that's been mentioned, Ohio State, Michigan, but I think this needs to be, this uni combo needs to be played in the big house. I think that that blue Michigan uni is awesome. And I'm not a big red guy. Red needs to be an accent for me. And I think Ohio State with that silver helmet, silver pant, that looks great. Okay. Well, you got a three. And those helmets, stunning. Three is Carolina NC State. Got you. And I prefer the picture I've chosen to the ones you chose. Uh, we got Mr. Wolf there on the helmet for Love State. that. Love that. Yep. And Carolina symmetrical. Not a big fan of the pant there. Whose? Uh, the NC State pant. It's not the best. And can you describe it for the people listening? Yeah, I sure will. That's a red pant, white stripe <laughs> with the S logo. With the little N and the little C incorporated into the S. Uh, NC State cannot decide on a logo. They change every couple years between those two. Number two, also mentioned, Notre Dame-Stanford. I'm going with the uh, Navy-Notre mm, Dame mm. uni here. 
and those all whites for Stanford. I mean, less is always more when it comes to unis. That's as clean as it can be. Uh, for those spotters and radio booths out there, I know you're going to struggle without the shoulder or sleeve number for Stanford, but it's just so clean. It Both is of clean. them are clean, looking great. You can't lose there. The you know, my my choice was better, but you yeah. can't lose. Okay, con. My number one is not being played this week, but it's Army and Navy and stolen valor and this is oh my god we get it you love the troops this is i think the 2017 uh uni combo army and all white navy and all blue that's just stunning uh nike and armor under armor going all out for these two schools to uh get them something fancy every year do you have any rebuttal to this choice? no i I love the choice i I don't appreciate you appealing to our patriotism and one-upping me um, I think the best uniform combo is is camouflage. How about that? Tuh. Pander. Pander. That's what you're doing. The Army Navy doesn't really fucking not. play this weekend. By the way, though, I love they always play outside on grass. Yeah. And the pageantry, the people at the games. I mean, like, people in uniforms jumping up and down, like, dressed the same. It's just, it's a one-of-a-kind spectacle. You're saying pageantry is you you take issue with that. No, I'm wondering if that was a con attempt. Aren't they playing in Philly these days? Yeah, they're playing in Philly. The ball, is that on grass? Yeah. The link? Yeah. You ever seen a game at the link? Some friend you are. Uh, I waited for the Super Bowl that season. Um I'm gonna say that well, I I'll let you I was gonna guess your stay away, but go ahead. My stay away is that awful Oregon, Oregon State matchup that you mentioned earlier. No, that's not the best here for people listening. That's neon pants on, is that DeAnthony Thomas or something? Could be. Um, green top and just a busy, busy helmet. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that half of it, but I like Oregon, Oregon State. And Oregon State's in all orange with the black. It's, it's just too much. Okay. That's fair. What I was surprised about going through these rivalries is that there are a lot of clashing colors, which yeah. would make sense. Yeah. Uh, schools trying to differentiate themselves. I get it. And doesn't bode well for your viewing pleasure this weekend. My sleeper, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, it can go wrong, but when it goes right, it's appealing to my eye. Ole Miss, especially when you throw in that lighter blue shade of helmet. Yeah. Awesome. Mississippi State, you usually know what you're going to get. I'm not a maroon guy. Um, Although we went to a high school that did have a maroon. We did. I'm pushing to change that to brown, not getting a lot of traction. I think brown's a cool color. Brown is a cool color. Um, not utilized a ton in the football world. But I will say this. Mississippi State has like a micro, or like a PowerPoint font yeah. logo. It's terrible. Yeah, you're right. They look like a team, again, not to call back to the program again, they look like an opponent of Joe Kane. Yeah. Like they just, it's, it's real defaulty. Yeah. I, I've created better uniforms in NCAA 1997. I've created a better logo, which we'll get to in a moment. But okay, yeah, put you. a focus group on that Mississippi State logo. So it is Tech Week, and this is a rivalry we left, out, left off. Because I honestly, I love our unis. I think that maroon and orange just, you can't, can't make it look good. Can't make it look good. And here's what the Commonwealth Cup looks like. Creative name. You think? No, I hate it. 
You hate it because we've lost 15 straight. Yeah, that's part of it. But there are some really cool rivalry names. Commonwealth Cup is not one of them. Maybe by set. Do you have a good rivalry name? Not yet. Good question. Paul Bunyan Axe, that's a cool thing to win. Even Apple Cup. Apple Cup, yeah. A lot of apples up there. It makes sense. Commonwealth is like we ran out of stuff. I think about like the Commonwealth attorney and shit like that. Yeah. Like paperwork. Yeah. Like the DMV is what I think about when I think, like, and I'm talking about Department of Motor Vehicles, not D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I got you. And unfortunately, we also think of 15 L's in a row. That, of course, the picture was uh, me and that was Tyrod and I. Right. Now it's that would have been Tyrod and I had we met on the gridiron since. And me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, but that was 2007. That was my senior year. Never beat Tech. Ed Wang held you. Helped me a lot. Held me like it was like it was prom night. <laughs> Held me like on some pretty important plays yep. as well. But that's not why we lost thirty-three to twenty-one. I mean, certainly could have affected the outcome of the game for sure. But I never beat Tech Owen four, and I felt like for a couple of years I felt like a doofus about it. But then, you know, I, I kept having dreams that I would would like be going to the Tech game in the dream, and I couldn't get my uniform on. Yeah, This was like a recurring football dream for a long time. And I don't think it was just tech. I think it was like I missed college football. College football was awesome. And I missed like college. Uh, but do you ever have dreams where you just can't get your like real estate outfit on? Yeah. not Can't get exactly. the loafers on. You're just like fumbling with the loafers. and Yeah. Yeah. And it'd be like the third quarter. More of like a lockbox issue. Lockbox issue. <laughs> it would be like the third quarter in my dream and I'd be freaking out like trying to get on the field and I'm watching the game going and I'm like, this is it, man. This is the last Commonwealth Cup. That faded. Um, and I think certainly once I won a Super Bowl, I'm not worried about my personal, although I played well in those games. It's just any hokey I meet, they can rightfully talk a lot of shit. Yeah. And it's not like I hate all the, like, listen, I, I have respect for a lot of cats that went to school there. Dwayne Brown would be one. Vince Hall, if you remember Vince Hall. Uh, he was a linebacker along with Xavier DB back in the day, Phoebus High School. Vince Hall played with me for the Rams as, as rookies. We, we were there, we were rookies together. And then we played against each other on other ends of it. Also Blacksburg, well not Blacksburg, but Southwest Virginia is beautiful. Yeah, not Blacksburg. Architecture sucks. Yep. Cinder block. Castle looking prison ass, prison ass, face ass campus. Fucking hay bale outside of prison looking ass campus. And Virginia's won 27 NCAA national championships. Yeah. Virginia Polytechnic Institute in State University has won zero. That's true. Although they did, they have, I'm not trying to, this isn't a con. Did they, they win in wrestling recently? They had a, a uh, individual medalist or whatever they do. Yeah, they had a Bass Fisher take home a title too, not <sighs> uh, recognized by the NC2A. Well, maybe this will all change by Saturday, and you like the Commonwealth Cup, but we don't love the uniforms because the the maroon and orange ruins everything. Yeah. Also, also, fan of Bud Foster, respect him. I also respected Beamer. Found myself at a lot of banquet tables with him, and was like, I don't know what to do with this guy. 
Frank Beamer's fine. Shane Beamer is not. I do not like Bud Foster. Respect, okay. But you respect him. He's a good coordinator. Bud Foster looks like a guy you could have a beer with. I, you know what, Bud? You're not a friend of the program, but once you hang up your ugly maroon and orange stuff, we'd love to have you here to drink a Pilsner. Would you drink a Pilsner with Bud? Nah. I'll drink a, I'll drink a Pilsner with Bud. They always play hard on defense, but that stops this week. We're, we're gonna, we're, 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 we are gonna retake the mental edge in this state. Black Friday, high noon, ABC, Hoos and Hokies for the right to play Clemson in the ACC championship game. It's a big one. It is a big one. 2003 events. That's the last time we beat them. What major events happened in 2003? We began our senior years in high school. We did. We dyed our hair. Yeah. Your mom dyed our hair. She did. And I thought for a second we were drinking. Well, I'm not going to incriminate you as a high school. Uh, yeah, I don't. But I'm I thought sure. maybe I w- it was like a, you know, a dare or something. Like it was just kind of, we didn't think it was going to stay. Right. Kingston participated. Yeah, Matt Kingston. New, New Year's Eve. Yeah. On the topic. Um, world final f- Concord flight. Obviously, George W. Bush was the president. Um, do you remember who won the NBA finals in 2003? No. Do you? I don't. I think it was, uh, my God. Is this real? The Spurs and the Nets? Huh. Like Keith Van Horn and shit? Richard Jefferson? Whew. Uh, 2003 Super Bowl. No idea. That was the, <laughs> the Bucks beating the Raiders oh, feels like wow. the 80s to me. I know. I know, man. <clears throat> it's been a long time. Well, uh, you're going to be in the in the in the booth, right? I'll be in the booth in the press box at Scott Stadium. What's your nervousness level going to be Friday morning? Uh, Friday morning, I'll just I'll be excited i'll have the playlist going i'll be on the field acting like i'm important yeah i'm not uh i will do a a traditional hug with our buddy biscuit yep shout out to biscuit and marcus uh, hagan's wide receiver coach and i'll be ready to go but the dream you're having um i i think it's uh well said it's it's between the years for us wahoos in this series between the years because we've had better teams at times during this series during this streak and um, I am, I'm terrified. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm scared to death. But on Friday morning, I'll be in. You know, my, you know why space. I know we're going to win? Because this is the absolute you know, epitome of a game we're supposed to lose. And, and although it's happened 15 times, I think we have reached the apex of games we're supposed to lose. As you mentioned, we got the monkey off our back with the national championship in basketball. I think this is our year. Uh, I feel good about it, man. What would you do to make it happen? If I, if I were to, for us to guarantee a win Friday, for a win to be guaranteed, would you let me, well, it doesn't have to be me. Would you let somebody break your nose, like just punch you in the face? Will it go back to normal? Not guaranteed, but they got great surgery. I now, could use a little edge to me. My nose is crooked. Sure. I'd let somebody just... Hey, 
my nose right now. Can you hear it? I think breaking it might dislodge some of this mucus that has been <laughs> hanging around for two plus weeks. Yeah, break my nose. You got the, all the characters from that Mucinex commercial up in there. Yeah. The biggest, baddest mucuses. I'd shave my head. You would shave your head? Yeah. Which is insane to me. Would you jump out of a third story building? <sighs> Onto what? Grass. Okay. Uh, we are in a third story building. You, but the, 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 the thing is, like, it doesn't fucking matter if we actually do any of this, but this is hypothetical. Okay, yeah, I do that too. Would you drink milk only for a week, no water? Yeah. Supposedly it hydrates you. Yeah. Would you drink it for a month? Yes. Six months? Yes. Would you get a tattoo? Huh, no. No? Mm-mm. That's fucking weird. And I'm not anti-tattoo. Yeah, I mean, well, would you eat? Oh, I, I have a food one for you. Okay. But you haven't done any. What are you talking about? You can cue some up to me. Would... See how bad I want it. Okay. You're never allowed to grow a beard again. Got to keep the beard. So you would take 16 in a row, potentially more. Well, because, listen, we could win it the 16th time, 17th time. I look Not kinda, guaranteed. I look kind of busted without a beard. Okay. I start looking like um, like some sort of soft-ass supporting actor in like a sitcom in the 90s without a beard. Take away your phone privileges for a month. Fuck yeah, I'd love that. I'd love it. The rest of us would too. Would you... Hmm. Would you ride around in your shiny Jeep Grand Cherokee? Doxed. Yeah. Your red Jeep Grand Cherokee. <laughs> With a five-pound bag of horse shit for a month. Oh, sure. Yeah. What about a year? Um, After a while, I bet it doesn't smell bad. Yeah, that's fine. I would do it too. Yep. I think that covers it. It means a lot to us is the bottom line. Yeah, the beard thing is a little bit misleading because you pretty much said yes to everything, but when we talked off, off camera... Well, I had more time to think about it. And I need this win. You do? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's tech. So we'll see. Go where, who's. Go who's. Wahoo wah. Last night, as we said, has essentially knocked the Rams out. But the Lamar show was much more at the forefront of people's minds, which is saying something because when you have a defending Super Bowl champion and they've had their share of issues uh, historically – hitting rock bottom this fast and in this fashion, it should be bigger news. But I think most people came out of the game talking about Lamar, not the negative. It was awesome. It was amazing. I said last night, I joked it was the easiest football has ever looked. And I, I really mean that. Um, of course, I had some guys like, well, recency bias, that whole thing, and not to drop that twice. And no, dude, I, it's not something I tweet every week. So I, I, like, I've never tweeted this before. Uh, there were some tweets I liked last night uh, on the game. Can we pull the one up from, uh, we'll pull, 
Have you ever thought about spending less time on Twitter? Yeah, for sure. I actually don't spend as much time as you'd think, but when I'm on, I'm firing. Okay. Pablo Torre, Lamar Jackson is the only NFL QB to be backed up by his ghost of Christmas future. Of course, that's Robert Griffin III. I wasn't sure how that works. Wouldn't it be Christmas pass, or do I have this all messed up? No, yeah, you're asking the wrong guy. Pablo's really smart. I think he probably proofread the tweet, and there's a reason that he made it ghost of Christmas future. I would trust him over us. Yeah. I do trust him over us. Also, though, somebody in the mentions mentioned that uh, it's actually not the first Eli and uh, Daniel. It's a perfect spitting image comp. Yep. Um, Two chips on the way for Danny Dimes. But it is ironic that RG3 kind of in a way had a big hand in all of this success and he never saw much of it at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was, a, it was a flash in the pan because of injuries and, and uh, I'll always remember that playoff game on the sideline. Just didn't look right, never was the same. Um, so you, you had a, that tweet, you had a funny tweet. Do you think this is funny? Joel Ortiz said, Joel with two L's, Lamar backwards is a is Ram AL, and that's exactly what he gave them tonight. Dot dot dot. LOL. Yeah, that's funny. You think it's funny? Yeah, but when you say it, it doesn't quite make perfect sense. It's Wait, Ram space A space capital L gave them a loss. <laughs> it's just that's wordplay. I saw where my man was going. Doesn't I, get better than wordplay. No, it doesn't. And then the same one, uh, the third, the third tweet was Sam Monson. Lamar was passed up for Baltimore's third best tight end in the draft. Yeah, and that's an interesting conversation that people don't have enough. In that, you know, we give a lot of credit for Newsom's last draft, etc. And Newsom did a great job. A uh, lot has been yielded positively from that draft, but. If you knew Lamar was going to be this good, don't you just draft him first? Maybe so. Or you have such great intel that you know when you're going to be able to get him. I don't know, man. I just don't buy that. Last night was like, I was sitting there watching and I'm thinking to myself, like, this is like the best concert I've ever been at. I just sat there smiling at the TV. It, it was something to behold. And not just Lamar. No. I mean, Mark Ingram was over seven yards a tote. Hitting Bruh. the hole hard. When he ran over at Eric Weddle, and um, he was just running angry the whole day, and I love it. I love it because I've always really liked Mark, and to see him, I thought for a second when he left New Orleans, I was like, damn, dude, you're not going to get a ring now. Like It's going to be, I think you deserve one because he's been one of the more underappreciated players in the league for a long time. Got lost in the shuffle down there. I also knew it would be a great signing for Baltimore, but I didn't know it would be this impactful. Um, Booger stole the show last night as he usually does. General observation that hit me last night was it's kind of an epiphany. If you get the Monday night job offered to you, is it not the biggest possibly terrible thing disguised as an opportunity in sports? Like you think that Monday night job, no brainer, get in the booth. You got a lot to, a lot to lose. I know there's the money side of it, but take you have to be willing to step in the booth and be universally critiqued and hated. Yeah. No matter who you are. Jason Witten went to the booth for a year. He was like, fuck this, I'm going back to play football. Yep. I'm gonna be out there in the rain in 38 degree uh, weather in Foxborough dropping passes. Like, I'm already a Hall of Famer, but this booth shit, like, no thanks. Yeah. 
it's it's not a good I don't know where you're going with this. Uh it's not a good booth. I'm and just, it's not just Bug. I don't want to shit on Bug. Yeah. Joe it's, Tess. Joe Tess, by the way. Chill out, bro. Joe Tess, by the way, if I if I'm not paying attention, I think he's sixty. And then they put him on and the bro is like just older than us. Yeah. Like his voice, he's got that like he's got the perfect voice, right? I don't know. It all grates on me. So I guess I'm looking at Booger and I'm like, you know, these guys, I hope to God they never go name search themselves because people personally, like legitimately despise you if, you, if you're the color commentary guy on Monday Night Football. Well, Booger does. Booger's a, Booger's a blocker. Is he? Yeah. I actually was late to the Booger critique train. He wasn't bothersome for me. I do think sometimes he leaves some, some intel on the table. <laughs> He told me last night with under two minutes to go in a 45-6 to six game that the Rams, when moving the ball, that it was a little too little too late. Well, he also said, <laughs> yeah, it's it a, it a, a lot too little, a lot too late. Yeah. And, and he also, after a false start, which I guess could make sense depending on what play you're, you're lined up to run, but a, a false start for the Rams in the red zone was actually a positive for the Rams. Right. Um, also, appealing to Twitter – with the, hey, come on, bruh, you don't block edge rushers with tight ends. Like, Twitter mm-hmm. loves that. Um, he went with that. He also dropped a wire and Melrose Place pop culture. And he wouldn't let it go, though. Wouldn't let it go for the timeline. One time, quick hitter. Okay, maybe, kind of. But he, he kept going in on it. But I guess the pe- the problem people had was... the. Baltimore is not just the wire. They it's also not have synonymous with the wire. Johns Hopkins University. Um, the Inner Harbor is beautiful. Crab cakes. Crab cakes are wonderful. Um, they have cool dirt bike dudes. Federal Hill. You seen the dirt bike dudes? No. The five o'clock boys? No. Really cool. Check them out. We should start a, a group like that here in Charlottesville. We just ride dirt bikes and ATVs out in the in the road. In the road. In the road. I got honked at on the way to the studio today. First time being honked at in like phew, 10 years. You don't seem like a road rage guy to me. No. Oh. Uh, but Booger was, yeah, Booger was all over the timeline. Um, but you look at the, there was a graphic they did put up that I really liked, which is look what Lamar's done to Pete, Bill, Romeo, uh, and Wade. They've had no answers. And these are older coordinators and coaches, but it just goes to show you that this thing is so out ahead of where the league is right now defensively. I don't think people figure it out by Super Bowl Sunday. And that's why they're my odds on favorite. Lamar is second in line to win the MVP. That's kind of the consensus is still Russ is the favorite. I think after last night, he's made a statement. This is his Heisman moment, his MVP moment. Um, you get an MVP chance on the road. Not that technically counts as a road game. Anybody goes to LA, you're gonna get some some crowd noise there. Um, you look at their stats; their records are identical. Lamar's got the head-to-head. Uh, Wilson has 500 more passing yards, but same completion percentage. Touchdowns are 24. Picks are three and five. It's about the same. Uh, the big difference for me is obviously the rushing yards, which Lamar has over 600 more. But it's not just the yards and productivity. It's that wrench that gets thrown into a defense's game plan every week. So that that like when you're talking about value and difficulty to defend, 
Russ runs when he has to, and Lamar runs when he has to, but sometimes Lamar's running game is is a designed, it's part of the real run game, quarterback powers, options, this sort of thing. Not just that, he's just more a dynamic runner who said, and they talked about it on the broadcast last night, he's, he's trying his best to be a pocket quarterback, which he is. I mean, he's not thinking every time he drops back to pass, I'm going to take off and run. I mean, when you watch him, he really does. And it's not to dispel a, uh, you know, a, a falsehood. He's doing it because this is what makes this offense run. It's his ability to not only do what he does with his legs, but also through the air. Five touchdown passes last night, right? Yeah, and he doesn't shy away from contact either. No, and he, he you know, some guys fall awkward. Some guys, some guys you can tell they, they really take the brunt of it. Um, he's a, a wiry dude, but he never looks like he takes the full hit. Agreed. Um, and he also leans into hits. Yeah. Which I think actually can do you some good. Yeah. Um, but six to six on touchdown possession, or on t- possessions as far as touchdowns go, the first six possessions. Um, and there were cleaner ways to say that. But that's the first time that's happened since the Saints, I think in uh, 2008 or something. So... They got damn near 300 yards rushing. Uh, Peters and Ramsey get into it. That was like the other big storyline. Big revenge game for Peters. I think it it depends on how you leave a team, how you feel about playing them again. When I played the Rams after I left, even after I made like a big play to help us win that Eagles-Rams game, it wasn't a a hateful thing for me. It was like, you know, the circumstance that I left, it was very, it was okay. When you get traded and you know less than six weeks later you're playing that same team in their house like you you want to fucking get after them and he went to the uh the hallway you know screaming that he helped knock the rams out of the playoffs their asses out of the playoffs and he certainly has helped because he showed up and the ravens defense has gotten scary in a pairing with that offense i mean the complimentary football they're playing since has been something to behold. And on the other end of it, I mean, the Rams have have been this paper champion defensive team. You know, they've got great players like like AD and and Fowler and and some of uh, some of the guys in the back end who you might like. But when you come in and you say, "Well, the Rams are holding people to eleven points on defense since uh, Jalen Ramsey," they haven't really played anybody, and. Uh, you look at that schedule, you probably agree with me. Yeah, I don't know exactly which week he came aboard, but Falcons 10 points, Bengals 10 points, Steelers 17 points and a loss, Bears 7 points, and then last night. Exactly. And I knew that the Rams, again, and I, paper champion is not the word. I mean, like they're, they're still a good defense, and I respect Wade. I respect, obviously, the best defensive player in football in AD who – doing everything you can, you can only get double teamed so much and everybody kept talking about, well, you know, you don't hear his name a lot. Well, that's because the entire game plan probably is predicated on keeping him blocked. And when you play that offense, I remarked last night watching, it's gotta be the most miserable thing in the world because when we talked about how they beat New England, what they do is they get you running sideways so much as a defensive lineman and a guy in the front, you play slow. And then when you play slow and tentative, they run it right down your shit with Ingram. And then when it's time to rush, you're thinking about the other two things. And it's literally that simple. I mean, the variance in tempo, um, the way they, they control 
and dictate the terms of the game, um, man, it, uh, it, it's something to see. And I only started watching them in full games the second half of the year. I watched one full game earlier in the year, but to see how he has grown within a year, developed from year to year and then within the year, like it's scary to think about what, what could be the progression for him. And they, they're innovative. Harbaugh, I said it before, he's a special teams coach, so he has no offensive or defensive lean. Um, you know, they, that speed and variance, I, I mentioned the commitment to analytics going forward on fourth down. They have a analytics guy named Daniel Stern, not da- David Stern, Daniel. Um, Ivy Leaguer. Ivy Leaguer. I hear that's a good education, but thinking about a, a, a program like Baltimore and how historically thought of as a defensive and physical football team, they are old school, right? Harbaugh has brought, along with Roman's innovation, which we talked about, coming to this game, I, I said, who's gonna be the real innovator? It's, it's Greg Roman, not McVay. Um, Harbaugh has brought this, this analytical edge and this, like, I'm with the future edge to this very physical and built to beat you up team, and that's a deadly combination. Yeah, quick hitter for you. San Francisco goes to Baltimore this coming week. Is the makeup of that defense better suited to slow down this attack? Are they going to like having the L.A. tape to look at? Well, I think what you have there is you've got a front that's, that's fast and athletic across the board. But also, um, I think what you have is really, really tight coverage across the board as well. And your coach well in the back end, um, if they can play a little bit a little bit more zone than even usual, uh, that's going to bode well. Who are you going to spy him with? I'm not sure. Quan Alexander would have been a really good piece to still have there going to this matchup. Baltimore's four and a half point favorites. That's before they kicked off last night. And I thought about getting on them before. Uh, I, I know the line's probably going to go up now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you talked about Greg Roman coming to this game. Sean McVay, who's kind of stagnated you know, the development of Jared Goff has actually regressed and the offense has beyond stagnated. Um, He's this bright, young innovator. Roman's this guy that looks like a truck driver, but if you actually pay attention, he has orchestrated the highs uh, career-wise in now four guys, quarterbacks, four quarterbacks. You've got Alex Smith, who we mentioned earlier. You've got Cap, obviously which revolutionized the game as we know it now. Uh, and you had Tyrod Taylor, who had his highest highs under, uh, under Greg Roman. And obviously we want to give Lamar the credit, but Greg Roman has accelerated that, I would say, in year two. Um, so what do you do with Jared Goff? That's the big question. That's the 500-pound gorilla in the room um, when it comes to L.A. You've got this guy who you broke off. Everybody knows it. He's regressed within the same scheme, which is which is where I think is the issue. He's had stability scheme. You know, there's been some personnel issues that have lagged with him, but uh, the regression within the the same scheme bothers me. Uh, you get a 15 million dollar cap hit trading him this offseason, plus there's 21 million guaranteed in 2020 and 2021. The salary becomes fully guaranteed March 20 or I forget the date in March, but it's uh, it's going to be north of 20 million. So he's not getting cut, and a trade is only possible if somebody is willing to eat lots of cash, 
and take a hit on a high pick. Or the Rams are, if the Rams are willing to, to eat lots of cash, they're probably going to have to wait for a high pick. And I don't think anybody is going to sh- send over a high pick for golf and pay his salary. Right. There's so many teams essentially tanking. Yes. Not even for this year, but years in the future to try to hit on that quarterback. Right. And then you have teams with quarterbacks in place. It's going to be, is there any team out there that's close that thinks golf is the one who will? I don't think there is. And I, 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 agree. I think this is totally unprecedented. I can't think of another situation where you're literally like stuck and everybody sees the writing on the wall. And I think most people think McVay's the brightest offensive mind, you know, of the young coaches in the game. And the older coaches aren't. I don't think any of the older coaches are going to take a stab at this. 32 TDs, 12 picks last year for Goff. Yep. 4,700 yards. Yep. This year, 11 TDs, 12 picks. He looks bad out there. Yeah, he does. And I, I think, you know, as I, I'll talk about it with other quarterbacks in a second is, you can't, you can't deny that there's a mental aspect of the noise. I mean, I think that at a certain point, quarterbacks who are struggling go off a ledge because of the noise as well. Um, because it is a mental position. Um, and another thing on them moving on from him or whatnot, which I don't think they can, McVay's never had his own quarterback in his short history. Uh, Kirk wasn't his guy. I don't know really what he was thinking or who made that call with Jared, but I don't think he's the guy. And I think McVay's certainly got to be sitting there like, man, I believe in myself. I know that I am this offensive genius, but I'm very, I'm very stuck right now. And his career could hinge on this. You know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, playoff picture right now, after that game last night, uh, the Ravens continue to chase the Patriots one game back, trying to get home field advantage. My bold prediction is they get home field advantage. But as it is today, starting in the AFC, you've got New England with home field. You've got Baltimore with Dubai. You have Buffalo at KC if the playoffs started today. You also have Pittsburgh at Houston. I think we both agree who wins those two games. KC and Houston. KC and Houston. Now, the interesting thing here is that as it's set up right now, New England, I don't know who they'd be more happy to see in Foxborough, but as it's set up now, they would get Kansas City, the lower-seeded winner, uh, in Foxborough. I actually think that whether they played Houston or Kansas City, you have a better chance of seeing, um, pick your poison, the Patriots lose a game in Foxborough than you do Baltimore right now in uh, Baltimore. Yeah, I think you can pencil New England Baltimore as your AFC title game. But I think you can pencil it a little bit harder on the Baltimore side. Okay. I'm not I'm just I know I've been lagging behind on New England all year. I just I'm not This is not like when you talk about going to Foxborough in January, this is a different team offensively. And we'll see New England in Houston this week. But I think we're all just waiting for KC to flip the switch. And that could be and that, dangerous squad, and that's the key. And and New England has owned them in the past, but this team is becoming more balanced as the year goes on. They're getting healthy, uh, and again, if they're going to play their best football in December, that'll bode well for them going into New England in January. On the NFC side, you have San Francisco home field currently. New England or uh, New Orleans has a bye. 
Now, two games are really interesting here. The Seattle at Dallas and Minnesota at Green Bay, if it were to start today. I like Seattle, and I'm going to continue to hitch my wagon to uh, my pro Kirk Cousins anti-Green Bay. Not anti-A-Rod, anti-Green Bay. I'm going to say that Seattle goes to Dallas and gets the win, and what the hell, Minnesota goes, runs the ball. I, how do I say it? Right up there, you know what, in Green Bay, and uh, comes away with the win. I think that the, the interesting dynamic here is San Francisco is not going to want to see Seattle. No matter what happens game two, I think Seattle beats them again. I think they're going to be keeping an eye on Seattle all year long to make sure that they don't leapfrog somebody and end up having to see them in that divisional round. Uh, as it stands right now, if, uh, if, New Orleans, uh, if New Orleans got the win, I think, uh, well, I, if, you're, if you're San Francisco, who would you rather see, Seattle or New Orleans? Seattle. That's crazy. I don't know. I think he's going to I think he's going to own space. It's also November the 26th. Do you know what hypothetical means? This is all hypothetical. Yeah. These Isn't matchups it? could all be very different in a month. I think I like if it started today, I like Seattle to beat New Orleans and I like Seattle to see the Niners in the NFC Championship. Throwback to the old NFC West days and I like Seattle beating the Niners to go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Ravens. That's if it started today. This is going to be all way different, uh, for better or for worse. And one team that's close to elimination here, thank God they're in the NFC East, is Philly. Um, and I have kind of become, just by virtue of actually speaking my mind and being honest and objective, the the Carson Wentz take master. Yeah, as a consumer of your content. Um, I've reached my personal saturation point of Carson with, Wentz with your wince and falls yeah. and all this. So yeah. I, I look forward to um, the segment being you over. getting through this as quickly as possible. Well, here's the problem: it's not going to be over qu- quick. Okay, we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dive into this. I could maybe do a U-turn and blow my <laughs> nose. So, so basically, it's funny. You don't know this story though. I had tweeted that Carson wasn't playing well. Just. Sunday, as, as I would anybody that I'm live watching a game, I mean, like, I said, hey, missed some guys in the flat, like, whatever. I got a text from somebody in the press box, like, your tweet up here is making, making the news in the press box, in the Eagles press box. These are a bunch of dudes I know. And supposedly one guy said, well, he's just trying to be TV guy now. You are inside of a press box. You are accusing me of trying to be TV guy. I am live tweeting a fucking game, like I would live tweet the Irishman, you know, or something on Netflix. Carson's not playing well. I have defended him all year, okay? So we're going to talk about Tannehill in a second. With Carson, you could, you could point to technique. I've, I've heard quarterbacks talk about, you know, he's jumping out of his throws a little bit, which I don't know how has to do with the injury or what. You know, the receivers, Dan Orlovsky talked about it. Treggs talked about it, who Bryce Treggs used to play for the Eagles. When you've got former quarterbacks, former receivers, specifically highlighting instances that we all day were like, look at this miss, and it really wasn't his fault. I mean, he's dealing with receivers that haven't barely eclipsed the 100-yard mark collectively on the year. J-Matt, who they brought off the street, was cut in less than two weeks, played like 50 snaps. I asked the timeline, is anybody working with less in the league? By the way, you've got Lane out, and the splits there are crazy. Over the last two weeks, 
three drives with Lane, 10 points, bunch of yards, and then 23 drives, I think, with 500 yards and nine points without him. So he makes a big difference. Brooks had, you know, he's had an anxiety issue, which is very serious. And um, I've really been appreciative of Brooks speaking out on that and being kind of somebody who, who can be vulnerable there. So he missed the game Sunday. The pocket was bad. Enough excuses. He didn't throw the ball great. He threw the ball poorly at times. Um, and people's usual argument against Wentz has Foles baked in on the front nine. And, and my problem with that argument is look at both since 17. And what's the difference between 17 and now? Well, they had three bright offensive minds in the building at that point. They had Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, John Filippo of JMU fame. Dukes. Yep. They only have one left. And I think what everybody's missing on this is that maybe not just the personnel, it's this perfect storm of personnel and scheme and Carson not being right. And scheme is the thing people are glossing over. Let's look at Foles, since everybody's so sure about the Foles thing. Their numbers are damn near identical. Foles, I think, as a starter, is four and four since 17. I think Carson's 10 and 12. Carson's 38 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Foles is like 10 to five. Their completion rate is the same, and, uh, and their rating is the same. So Foles has been in, in, in Philly, not being the 17 Foles. Carson's been in Philly, not being the 17 Carson. And Foles has been somewhere else, and the start has been, what's the word, inauspicious? Yeah. Um, but there's other issues there. And by the way, if you ask Jacksonville fans, oh, they want Minshew back, which is a dumbass idea, but the guy that we're all screaming for in Philly, people are screaming against in Jacksonville. So that's how short-sighted people can be with, with quarterbacks. And I've realized that quarterbacks, is, it's, it's the second to politics in the divisiveness of the topic. Um, and one of my followers agreed and asked me, well, can you change your mind on quarterbacks? One guy I changed my mind on, on is, uh, is Tannehill. Robert Mays put up a stat by the way, Tannehill is going to make me, and I did not like Tannehill personally from playing against him or as a player, and I love him now. He's completely changed my mind about him and a team I dislike, the Titans. They're fun to watch. Um, and 64%, I think Robert May said on over the weekend, they, they used play action, 10 of 10, yards per attempt was 21, and he had two rushing touchdowns rolling out in boots. So they're doing a great job, and since he's been – under, under center in Tennessee, they've averaged 29.4 points. That's like third in the league. That's right there with San Francisco. That's crazy. Beat the Chiefs. Beat the Chiefs, which I thought was like, hey, that they, they just, that's what they do. They also, they also always beat the, uh, the Jags, to be fair. So I'll give this some time, but Tannehill has changed my mind. And there's plenty of quarterbacks that with a change of scheme, and by the way, I always wondered, is it, was it a Gase problem or a Tannehill problem or a personnel problem down there? Well, the way Gase has got Darnold going right now with not a lot going on around him, I think Gase is looking okay, and so is Tannehill. So don't know what the deal was there in Miami. I think the scheme is better for Tennessee, and I think Darnold's got more upside that Gase can work with. But there's plenty of quarterbacks throughout history that have been dependent on scheme and situation. And don't misconstrue this. I'm not saying Brett Favre wouldn't have been great if he never, never left Atlanta. Well, the reason it didn't work in Atlanta was Glanville hated him, but 
You've got guys like Plunkett. You know, Plunkett went 23 and 28 in New England. Uh, he went 11 and 5 in San Francisco. Uh, and then 78 and 79, he didn't play. He's, by the way, a Super Bowl champion. Uh, and, and according to my dad, should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know your take, my take, but here's a guy who I, I'm compelled to think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Doug Williams was in Tampa. Uh, you know, definitely not getting famous until he got to Washington. Uh, and and that Super Bowl run. Phil Sims is one that's big, right? Giants fan here. Yep. Did you know that he was a that he was so bad at the beginning of his career? Not bad, but no, especially given I was like two. Yeah, you were young. Uh, but I don't know if you were a historian or not. No, I did not realize the beginning. Seventh of his round career. pick, right? Okay, so in '79, he's he he comes out in the draft. He's 14 and 20 um, from '79 to '81. He misses 82, and then he's 33 and 15 from 84 to 86 in a Super Bowl MVP. Um, Theismann, fourth round pick at Miami. I did not know. I knew he was in the CFL, but he was returning punts for a little bit. Phil Simms, first round pick. First round pick. Seventh overall. Seventh, seventh pick. Sorry, I misspoke. Yeah, okay, my bad. So, Phil Simms, first round pick, big dip. I'm sure he had big expectations. And everybody's freaking out, but look what he comes out as in Theismann, of course, another NFC's counterpoint, uh, counterpart from the 70s and 80s. Uh, he was in the CFL. He's returning punts. He gets his first, his first start in 76. Warren Moon was in the CFL for six years. Warren Moon, that had something to do with the color of his skin, I think, as much as anything. But Dan Fouts is the biggest example to me. Fouts is five years, no more than five wins at any point in those five years. And then Coriel shows up in 78, leads the league in passing for half a decade. Even Kurt Warner, right? Hall of Famer. And people that are young right now, they see him um, on TV and stuff. And even me who played against him and grew up watching you know, Greatest Show on Turf, played in St. Louis, I didn't realize there were such peaks and valleys. I knew that you know, the story leading up, him not getting a start till 27 and whatnot and um, not playing professionally at that point, but he had as many valleys as peaks even after that Super Bowl run with the Rams. He got a start in 98, as I said, at 27. From 99 to 2001, he was electric, right? Um, 98 touchdowns, still 53 picks, but that was a lot of talent around him. And then 02 to 04, he, he started in 16 games in St. Louis and the Giants, by the way. Do you remember that? Yeah, gave way to Eli. Do you remember him being good in New York? Mm. Gave way to Eli. 10 touchdowns, 16 interceptions over that three-year span. He didn't start a ton of games. Like I said, it was 16. Went five and four. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a big dip. And if you consider somebody who was the center, well, he wasn't the centerpiece, but he was a big part of the greatest show on turf. That's a That's a dip that probably in this day and age would be a lot more talked about in the age of 24-hour news cycle, Twitter. Um, and then when he got to Arizona, everybody's like, well, he got to Arizona, it was all good. I mean, it wasn't even great at that point. Now, albeit he was 34, but he had his ups and downs. So two and eight, one and four, five and six, nine and seven, and then 10 and five and nearly won a Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for some great, I mean, that Super Bowl, the plays that were made were some of the best in Super Bowl history. And that's what it took to beat him. So that's a credit to Kurt Warner being malleable, uh, being tough, being you know mentally tough, getting off the mat through multiple peaks. 
and multiple valleys. Um, but it's also, it also goes to show you that even Hall of Famers can't just fucking walk into a room and make things great. I mean, they can't. And this is a guy who almost had two on two different teams. So definitely uh, when it comes to quarterback, I think the moral of the story is context, schemes, the talent surrounding them, it all matters. And I know I'm talking outside of both sides of my mouth because on one end I'm saying, well, Jared, I think, isn't the answer, and I'm defending Carson. I think we know if we watch film that from a talent and just how you play the, the position standpoint, there is a difference between two players. So I would ask Philly fans to be careful what you wish for because if you end up moving on from Wentz at any point, which I think is hyperbolic at this point, that's a terrible argument. If you think he needs to play better, I agree with you. If you think you need to move on for him, get ready to be miserable and get ready for somebody like a Frank Reich or a Sean McVay, pick him up and give him a fresh start in a lower pressure situation and you're gonna be watching him for, for years to come. You're gonna say, man, I wish we were a little bit more patient you know, with an MVP candidate in 2017. Can you give me a burr, 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 sounder? Burr, burr, burr. Hot take, Eagles go 10 and six and make the playoffs. I don't think that's the hottest take. I mean, like, I, I don't think it's likely, uh, but Dallas, again, I, I don't think on a short week they're even going to be necessarily, I know they were seven-point favorite to open against Buffalo. Yeah. I think it's a close ball game. They haven't, they haven't been dominant outside of division. I still worry about the Eagles playing Dallas. Otherwise, it's all there for them. Washington. Giants twice. Giants twice. Somebody else terrible. But uh, I don't think it's the hottest take. I don't hate it. We're gonna do an 0-16 thing on the next uh, pod. You know, Cincy, long story short, they're, they're bringing back uh, Andy Dalton. Are you tanking or are you not tanking? That's the big question. And we'll go into what 0-16 really feels like because I was damn near there. Uh, and also some teams that turn it around pretty quickly from going 1-15. There's only been two 0-16 teams in the history of the game. Six, so, six of their 11 losses by one score. Whom? Cincy. Yeah. So, I mean, not far off. If they are taking, they're disguising it well. They are disguising it well. In these but, games. but these decisions, you know, Andy Dalton, should he be playing? Yes. Can he save your season? No. Are you driving up the trade value? I don't know. They got to have an idea of what they're doing there. We'll get into that next show. Let's go to shit I saw. I've had over 40 pizzas in the last 30 days. <laughs> Livy currently and Mark Shapiro should be in jail. He has no pizza experience. He's never been in the pizza category. I would just say, stay tuned. The day of reckoning will come. The record will be straight. Why not set the record straight down? I mean, what is it about the record that's not straight? <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know, bro. That's I, terrifying. It's terrifying. Why does he sound like the robot voice on like all the all the the crime, the true crime story stuff. You know where they, they shade somebody's face and then they give them the That's robot true. voice? He does. He sounds like a gravelly, like a a Walmart Darth Vader. Why is he so sweaty and shiny? I don't know, man. I didn't think his voice sounded that way. Never heard him talk. I ran into Papa John once in Louisville and he was top five drunkest people <laughs> I've encountered in my life as he stumbled from the elevator to his suite at the uh, then 
Papa John's Cardinal Stadium, now just Cardinal Stadium. I think that's a that's that's a huge fall from grace uh, to have a stadium and then not have a stadium. Yep. I mean that's that's up there. Um, that's that's getting canceled and then some. Yeah. Uh, you know the pizza category. You know, I wouldn't thing, say the pizza business. Exactly. And he said that the new guy's not going to succeed. He doesn't have enough quote pizza experience. Right. Because they're making like craft pizzas at Papa John's. Right. You just turn on the fucking machine, and that's where the pizza comes out. It just comes out the other side. Right. By the way, P- Papa John's used to be a really good product. Yeah, you get the what? The garlic sauce. Oh, it's that garlic sauce. Domino's is at the top. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, okay, good. It's birthday party pizza for sure, but the crust is really good. That's what I like about Domino's. Yep. Yeah. I even liked the crust before they did the newfangled crust, which was probably like a decade now that that we're old. But the moral of the story is how far Papa John's has fallen and how far Homeboy has fallen. I mean, he's not looking good. And he said... I'm not sure why he said this. I'm not willing to look investigate this interview in the context around it any further. He said he's eaten 30 pizzas in 40 days, or was it 40 pizzas in 30 days? 40 and 30. Jeez. <laughs> These personal pizzas, bro. <laughs> and are they Papa John's? Yeah, that's a good question. Probably not. He's got pizza experience, all right. There were also some... <laughs> what, who do you got? I don't know. I... Shout, <laughs> yeah. out, shout out Lampo. Yeah, shout, shout out, out Lampo. Shout out Dr. Hose. Local business. Dr. Hose got great pizza. Um, that guy, the Papa John's guy, who I don't know his name. I, I'm John, sure he's John. It, it, it's, it's Schnatter. What do you think? What kind of beer do you think he drinks? Beer. Uh, Bushlight? For sure. Yeah. That's what you were going with too? Uh, something like it. Soco and Lime shots. Uh, buys the really fruity shots at the bar. You know, they're going to be like the... The ones that don't taste like lemon drops, liquor. Correct. Uh, I think I think he buys a lot of those for people much younger than him at bars. How old do you think he is? Got to be. I mean, in Earth years, he's like probably fifty-eight. Papa John Schnatter is fifty-eight years old. Nice guess. Uh, but I think he's probably feeling like he's about eighty-six. Yeah. Um. And I think he's like Joe Walsh. You know the song Life's Been Good to Me so far? Mm-hmm. If you look at those lyrics, I always pictured the Papa John's guy. That's how he's living his life. Outside of his means. Recklessly. Happy-go-lucky. He says, one little super fucking racist thing. <laughs> 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 it's fun to laugh because that's what should happen to you. Yes, if indeed. you say that word on a phone call. Um, we also have basketball announcers, and I haven't filled you in on what this is, so you can take a listen and a watch. Jokic around the corner, sweeping hook shot is beautiful. Oh, we haven't seen that in a while. Woo. Good to see a splendid Serbian hooker. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Wow. He said splendid as if we didn't assume that it, you know, is there any other kind? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I heard another one of those recently. You did? Yeah. I, uh. Well, don't, don't, because it could be the next one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, roll it. 
2003, now part of the whack, and they're trying to whack off Kentucky here at Rupp Arena. <laughs> Nobody whacks off Kentucky at Rupp Arena. Except for Evansville. Yeah, but they, they, they couldn't the whack them off. Yeah. Yeah, those are tough. This game's getting messy here in Rupp Arena. Yeah. Uh, I hear a lot of play-by-play in my It's in like my Kentucky day. shot their wad in the first half. Okay. I'll let you just roll with however many you have before I say something. This guy's really stroking it from behind the arc. Oh, he hit him in the penis with the basketball. <laughs> Yeah. I can't think of anything else. I was a part of a broadcast when uh, <laughs> shot was released and uh play-by-play announcer who shall rename, remain nameless got caught between that hits the rim and that shot hits the rim and it was that shit hits the rim. <laughs> no, he didn't. And that shit hits the rim. <laughs> No, I know exactly who it might be. Yeah, yes, you do. Talk about a dox. Yeah. That'll happen. But those are, that's different. That's not a misspeak. Yeah. It is, but it's. No, you're trying too hard. You got greedy. Whacking off. That's not even a a term for for asserting your Western Athletic Conference dominance. Right. You wouldn't say they're going to ACC them off. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like. Yeah. It's just literally you made whack a verb. Yeah. Oh, that's jacked up. Go it now. It's, it's just jacked te- up. You teed yourself up there. Uh, let's end the show. We're going to talk about an interview coming out on Fishbowl this coming weekend that uh, involves our boy, Joey Buckets, Joe Harris. Yeah. Had to get a little NBA in season one of the Fishbowl. This week, by the way, you can check out Miles Teller, uh, Hollywood actor, tall actor, Top Gun, Whiplash. Really cool dude, Philly sports fan. But Joe Harris is going to totally one-up Miles Teller. Mm. Dynamite interview. It's definitely more like for the NBA heads. Joe is very cerebral. Talk about analytics, that sort of thing. Uh, And Joe is a really smart guy in his own right. What's What's your Joe Harris take in Virginia basketball history? He was a part of that team that got their doors blown off 87-52 to Tennessee, fell to 9-4 and four in that season in late December. That team finishes 37 after Joey takes a drive over to Coach Bennett's house and has a heart-to-heart, mm. turns it all around, who's win the ACC title, get that first one seed, played uh, that Sweet 16 game against Michigan State in the mm. Garden when we yep. celebrated your birthday. Uh, Joe is Joe's a Mount Rushmore guy for me. Yeah, he's for me, he's up, he's up there. Um, and one of the coolest dudes I've met in the entire pro- program's history. I mean, like this guy, you think of him, you see him on the court, and you think of him one way, you meet him, he's totally chill, he's funny, he's engaging, um, and he's been a good pro. And he's happy up in Brooklyn. He's really smart. Let's roll the tape on uh, the other night. This Ball game. <laughs> Ball game. Look at him. Watch. He, he doesn't even want to smile or laugh, but he knows that there you go. Yeah. So basically, Joe Harris just threw it off some guy's back to end the game. And he was nice about it. He didn't chuck it off the dude's back. Nope. He just lobbed it. Yeah. 
Is that a design play, you think? No. I think Joe Harris just... Yeah, just being the smartest guy on the court. Exactly. So, um, Joe Harris, Fishbowl, check us out on Greenlight. Uh, we'll have another one post-Thanksgiving dropping. Uh, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. I also want to thank Vicente, Kathleen, Reed, the whole team here. Yeah. Uh, they have been awesome, awesome at putting this together. We are bootstrapping this. Uh, we got a lot of nice equipment and, and capable people back here, but we're not podcast people. No, no, no. So it's all them. It's all them. We appreciate them. And uh, everybody out there, have a great Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you guys listening to our show. Thankful for your friendship and your free co-hosting. Likewise. Thankful for you. You'll get paid, I think, eventually. So y'all take care. Don't break it. Oh. Oh. You do so many things wrong. I'm so smart. I have a degree. Oh, yeah. I know real estate and sports. And you did a lot of shit wrong today. What? Oh, you're here. I don't have to use the bobblehead. What did I do wrong today? Can't believe we're actually rolling. Uh, I corrected you throughout this podcast. TV show, podcast, whatever this is. Um, I did say I was two years old when Phil Sims uh, came onto the scene. Yeah, you were pretty... Uh... I was minus seven. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to bring up something, though. We talked about uniforms in this podcast. I've been uh, talking about the Virginia logo for a long time. If you're watching, on the right is the current logo. Mm. It really has to be on a Navy background to work. My proposal is to change the official logo to the one you see on the left. Same deal. Just put it in a Navy outline and it works everywhere. And of course, we're talking about the V Sabres here. The V Sabres, the best logo in sports. It just needs to be enhanced. I've talked to our wonderful athletic director, Mrs. Carla Williams. Shout out to Carla Williams, by the way. Yep. Uh, Jim Booz, I trust, is on Mm -hmm. the case. Todd Goodale. Yeah. Um, That's my correction. Mm -hmm. Make the best logo in sports a little better by adding... The, the beautiful navy I agree. to our orange. I actually agree with you. And we we, we have contentious moments uh, on the uniform front all the time, but we agree. Yeah. And there's nothing else. Well, you said plenty wrong, but I think it was corrected in the show. Okay. Phil Sims, seventh round pick. Eat some food on Thanksgiving and, uh, you know. Can't taste it. All right. Well, that's our show. Peace.